Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. Today, I'm going to be covering a plant that we all know, love, and consume a shit ton of garlic. Oh, crazy. I love garlic. I'm going to be talking about protective amulets, which is absolutely not a hint that I would like to receive jewelry as a gift, especially not a gorgeous protective amulet that would also look good with my outfits. Um, So to everyone out there, please don't. Yeah. And if you're going to send Nick a gift, please also don't send me a gift. That would be so strange. It would be weird. And we would but you can always it. email us. You can email us at <laughs> wandsandfrondspod at gmail.com if you want to know the address to absolutely not send gifts to. Yeah, you shouldn't do it. But if you need the address, you can ask. <laughs> I'm really excited that you're talking about protective amulets because tis the season for spooky shit. You know, it we've is. got we're in the dark half of we the year. Are, and you're talking about garlic in this episode. So it kind of put me in the mind of like vampire stories, of course. And so yeah. you kind of imagine like a Romanian peasant wearing like a string of braided garlic around their neck. And I mean, you see it in all the, the vampire movies. Yeah. I, you also see it when you see me sitting in my living room. <laughs> yes. Because you're very afraid of vampires. That is one thing that I will say. Some people don't know this about Shannon, but Shannon is <laughs> terrified of a vampire attack. So scared. Nick, so, how do I protect myself? Well, I I think I have something for you. But <laughs> I will say, you know, it's like I because we're talking about garlic this episode, the one protective amulet that I think most people will be familiar with from popular culture is wearing garlic around your neck to ward off against a vampire. And um, a quick Google search can tell you, though, protective amulets are also everywhere else. So there's so many to choose from. There's the classic what to watch on Netflix conundrum going on. You know, it's like everything sounds so good. What am I going to watch? All of these mm. protective amulets seem to pertain to my particular situation. Which one am I, which one am I going to pick? So I would say that's one thing like you should look to your personal spirit guides for. Like your your tarot deck, your meditation. There w- there will be 100% like an answer on where to go with this yeah and also i'd say your practice too it's like yes what does your practice look like the actual definition of a talisman aka a protective amulet is anything that you actually keep on your person or around you to provide uh, a spiritual function and it doesn't just have to be protection but so there's amulets for the evil eye St. Christopher medallions, if you're a Catholic. Um, every single flavor of crystal. So many wire-wrapped yes, crystal necklaces. Yes, so many wire-wrapped crystal necklaces. You got Thor's hammers. You got triketras. You have chakra bracelets. You have rune pendants. And it's just, it's overwhelming to even know where to begin. But running with our wands and fronds theme, 
I personally wanted to dig a bit on herbal protection amulets. And so, Shannon, is this something that you've ever done in your personal practice? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I have, like, collections of different types of crystal jewelry I wear. And a lot of it is, like, infused with, like, intention for, like, protection or, you know, like you said, amulets can also, you know, not just about protection. It's also, like, you know, helping me really manifest different types of mentalities. And I have, like, a citrine necklace that I wear all the time. Uh, that's probably one of the most common ones, but yeah, I think there's so many different flavors of it, but I, I use different types of protective amulets all the time. I have my protective crystals that I carry in my backpack, which is basically my purse. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always on me. I always have my backpack with me. And so I just keep my protective crystals in there because honestly, it's like, I don't want to lose them. You know, if I had them in my pants, I might lose them but I keep them in my backpack, so I don't. And so they're always on me. They're always on me, though. You know, like, that's part of it. It's like, you want to keep these things on your person. Yeah, they're, they are protective and great, but they don't do a lot of good if they're, like, miles away from you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, I, I did, you know, kind of before I dive in on herbal amulets, I, I did just kind of want to say... One of my things as like an intuitive witch is like anointing a piece of jewelry you already have with the right essential oil or mm. bathing it with your crystals under the moon. Because I think, you know, if you're not bathing your crystals under the full moon, why are you a crystal witch? You know, like you should be. <laughs> but I mean, if you have a, if you have like a regular piece of jewelry that you want to throw in with that or that you want to anoint with a holy oil. Like, you can turn your regular jewelry into an amulet. Oh, and I have to say, too, my favorite new trend is the volcanic rock jewelry that you can, like, put essential oils on, mm -hmm. and it just holds onto it. I have a really cute little necklace that our friend Emma got me a few years ago that has... Oh, I love uh, Emma. If Emma's I listening know. to this, we love you. We love you. But it's got like a little triangle pendant on it and it's made out of lava rock and you can like put essential oil on it. Um, and I also have a bracelet that's all made out of volcanic rock and I, I put all sorts of like essential oils on it depending on like the time of year and what mm. I'm working with. And it's it's such a great way to not have to buy new stuff too. True, true, true. And, and uh, I have one of those as well, like the little lava rock chakra bracelet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always put lemongrass oil on it because even though I have like a wide range of different essential oils, you know, I got frankincense, I got patchouli, I got bergamot, you know, like I have a, a whole basil, you know, like I have a whole thing of essential oils. I always put lemongrass on as the base just because it smells like pine salt. Mm. No, no, no. It smells like lemon pledge. Yeah. And no, I definitely have worn some lemongrass oil before and a donor at an event was like man something smells so clean what is that and i was like it's my lemongrass oil <laughs> yeah, i mean you know i get that as well because it's like oh it smells like lemon pledge and it's like you know what though to me that smell invokes happiness and energy just like pure energy like yeah and it's a clean energy and so if i'm actually like if i'm actually feeling sad like i just i'd take a little like a popper 
like I just take a little hit of lemongrass oil and it really does improve my mood. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. No, I love I love lemongrass oil. I have it too and I use it a lot. So I just that's like a that's like a whole random side thing. But I, so it's overwhelming to know where we're beginning with these things, but I want to focus on herbal amulets. So these are nice because you can customize it for your specific circumstances because there's so many different herbs that represent different things that are going to be useful in different situations. So one of the things that I actually went into a little bit later on was like, why not throw a little phenylene mm, to, to like not only honor Dionysus and or Bacchus, who is traditionally shown with a phenyl staff, you could throw some phenyl fronds into your amulet. If you're going to go, I mean, if you're going to go out drinking, if you're going to go out for, you know, your bachelorette party. I love that. And then you can make a salad with the rest of it. I, well, yeah, because I mean, you know, that's what I was saying. You know, you buy some fennel and you should be cooking with fennel. I mean, you know, this has nothing to do with witchcraft, but you should be cooking with fresh fennel. Like, it's so good. It's different. It's different than if you buy fennel seeds, which just tastes like Italian sausage. You know, fresh fennel is amazing. You know, we, we could go on. Uh, actually, Shannon, we should do a fennel episode. Should we not? We should. I'm going to I'm making a note. We should Thank do fennel. You. Thank you. So but you can you can pick your different herbs based on your specific circumstances and you can make it as neat and discreet as you wish. And uh, so this can actually be done uh, a couple of different ways. So one of the ways to do it is to crush all your herbs up in a mortar and pestle and put them in a sachet, like a little bag. Um, and one of the, the way that I would recommend, because I just love the idea of like raw herbs and like this kind of rustic aesthetic is like, you know, gathering herbs into like a little bouquet with some twine or something. And you can make, you can literally make a necklace out of that, or you can, you can put that in with something. So, you know, you don't have to crush things up and put it in a sachet. But that is very nice because you get to mix everything together. And that actually does make things stronger because the energy of all the different herbs is is diffusing together. But it's more work. So I'm saying, you know, if you're lazy, I think we we all are guilty of being a little lazy sometimes. So, But uh, some of the common herbs to do a protective herbal amulet are angelica and i just want to say you know we always want to be super careful with working with angelica even if it's not something that you're gonna take into your body because angelica actually resembles hemlock a lot uh just physically yeah it's a real easy mix them up and bad Mm -hmm. news bears if that happens be careful so you do want to be careful but you know you could do angelica basil dill juniper and rue those are all perfectly fine herbs to throw into one of these herbal arrangements and uh as always whatever herbs you can get that serve the same purpose are fine and i think that's one of the big things here at wands and fronds is that we know people live in different parts of the country. We know people have different levels of buying power. I mean, honestly, that's the real gate that people have to come over. I mean, can you afford to buy Angelica if there's not a witch store in your town? 
Maybe yeah, not. I mean, that's why I love to so many of these things like basil and dill. You can buy a packet of seeds mm-hmm. for those at like a Lowe's or a Home Depot, which is probably close to anybody, and grow them yourself really affordably. And then juniper, I would say, I think, you know, I because I live in Texas. And so whenever I see juniper, I think in my head, I'm going to sub in cedar. Mm. Because well, cedar there's... is actually a relative of juniper trees and has a lot of the same purification properties and does produce not juniper berries. I mean, you can't make gen out of cedar berries, but if you were going to do purification... You could use cedar berries or, I mean, they're seeds, but the cedar berries, you know. Okay, can I get real nerdy for a second, though? Mm-hmm. Because this is a hilarious thing that all junipers that grow in, like, New Mexico and, like, honestly, most of the Southwest mm-hmm. are actually in, like, the cypress or cedar family. Mm-hmm. So yes, they they're all, again, it's, like, it's important to remember that these are, like, in the same family of trees, too. So when we're talking about like the relations of things, it's like they have very similar properties, which makes sense. But there are also a lot of quote unquote cedars that we call cedars that are are really junipers in the U.S. It's a very funny like who's on first type situation. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, but I think in Texas, we do have a, a, a lot of uh, Texas mountain cedar. You know that mountain cedar actually is juniper also. Is yeah. Juniper is ashii. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's funny, and I think, um, you know, we kind of skirt around this a lot, but Shannon knows Latin, and I do not. So, I also, I just think it's funny because I went down a rabbit hole about this one day because my mind was blown realizing that most of the stuff I grew up calling cedar in Texas is not cedar. We call it cedar fever, and it's people that are allergic to juniper. Isn't that weird? It is. And <laughs> but 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 you know like like let's steer back to the middle of the road here and just say that we advocate substituting herbs because we know that not everyone can get everything but there's a lot of analogs available in your local environment and we of course always encourage you to forage for what you can get locally. Um, and so with that being said, I did look this up a little bit. And so Living Lapis had a lovely and informative article about this that goes into great detail about creating these. And they, one of the main things that they also said in this article was that you need to choose the colors very carefully. So if you're going to do the sachet, sachet sachet. Away. <laughs> Shantae, you stay. You want to use red and white. And so I think if you're going to do like the little bouquet version, you're going to want to use a red cord, a red thread, red twine. Um, and another important thing is to think about the number of herbs that you're using. And so three, seven, nine are all very powerful magical numbers in Wiccan rituals uh, specifically although three is a very 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 magical number across sort of all the different pantheons um and the numbers have power as symbols in these kind of rituals so 
there's also a moon phase requirement here. So it's got to be a waning moon. So pretty much anything between the full moon and the new moon. Yeah, an easy way to remember it, and this is like so cheesy, but wax on, wane off. Wax on, wane off. Y'all heard yep. it first. Y'all heard <laughs> it here first. Um, so under the waning moon, gathering up your herbs, crushing them or tying them together. And the whole time that you're doing this work, which you can do at your altar. So I, I think a good majority of people will have their altar indoors. But if you can do it directly under the moon, like when you mm. do uh, new moon manifestations, it is typically better to do it under the actual moon because that that's that's even better than your altar, in my opinion. Your altar is a holy space, but the space under the moon is a holy space. So yeah, but if you can't get outside, opening a window is outside, a really great alternative. Mm -hmm. Open a window, maybe just make sure you can see the moon. Yeah. That's yeah. it's irrelevant though. I would say do it on your altar, like that's top tier. If not, do it in open air under the actual moon. And if you can if you don't have an altar and you can't do it open air under the actual moon, let some let some of that energy in because it's very important to energize your talisman, your amulet. Um so with the red and white, the colors are so important because white representing purification and just purity in general and like red being action actively you know it's like it's the combination so red and white together if you're not doing the sachet maybe do red and white string that's just my personal recommendation oh i love that well and it's that time of year i think this is such a good time to like stock up on cool colored string because mm -hmm. people are selling all of the stuff for like gift wrapping and you can get some real cool stuff to use in your practice. All of the all of the colored twines at like yeah. Hobby Lobby and stuff. Which, exactly. You know, maybe don't shop at Hobby Lobby unless you absolutely have to because you live in Missouri and there's nowhere else to buy it. But um but yeah, all of the all of the local you stores. Know, this is not a political show, so it's important to think about the colors and don't shop at Hobby Lobby unless you have to. Please, this is not a political show, but don't do it. Yeah, I was going to say too. It's like the ninety nine cent section at Target. You can find some really cool stuff too to use in spells, and I've seen like string and like cool multicolored twine and gift wrapping stuff. So it's like anytime I have to go pick up cat food, I pop by and see if there's stuff for spells. Right. And that's what, you know, it's like when I was saying, you know, it's like use the analogous herbs, use the analogous colors. You know, maybe yeah. you can't get red string, but you could get orange string. Orange string is mostly red. We're not judging you. No, you have to do what works for you with what you have at that time. So, but I do want to say like the herbs are more important here because the herbs are going to be doing a lot of the footwork. Like the colors and the strings and the fabric for the sachet, if you are doing a sachet, is um kind of a kind of a tier below which herbs you choose. So even if you're choosing an herb that's like the the B list version, you do have to select those carefully. And the number again is so important. It's three. And that's it. Because I mean, honestly, we could, we, I mean, we could say 
the other numbers, but I think three is it. While you're making this, though, you're at your altar, you're under the moon, you're by your open window, even, perhaps, and you need to visualize the outcome of the spell, which is protection. So part of that is going to be visualizing what you think you need protection from. So I was talking about maybe doing like a fennel one for, you know, like a, I, I you know, I, I just had this idea of like doing a, like, like fennel if you're going on like an epic night of drinking. And then I thought of like a bachelorette party. And uh, you remember I did your bachelorette party. Yeah. And we, we did a, a pub crawl here in Austin. And I was thinking, you know, we did get approached by different people. And this would be a great use for that kind of thing, like a protective amulet against that energy that was, I mean, you know, it's like trying to hit on drunk girls at a bachelorette party, I think is pretty Neg's energy. So yeah, that's like the perfect situation for this. Or I can see it's like, if you're a bartender, right, right, right. Um, so, you know, it's like, like not letting the party go too far, but you could do yeah. like your, your class. I think Angelica is something that works so good here because Angelica is something that you could imbibe, but it's, it, it is so close to a poisonous plant and it is poisonous in and of itself in certain scenarios. So making an amulet out of it because a Angelica is named Angelica because it's the angel. It's like the protective angels. So regardless of what you particularly want to do, I'm personally going to recommend Angelica for a protective amulet. And you can buy it online from Herbalism websites. It's pretty affordable. But I think it, this, is, this is what's going to do the job and like actually do it well. Mm, I love that. So you're under the waning moon. You have your red and white string. You have your red and or white sachet. The whole time you're making this thing, because it's a bit of a crafting project as well, is uh, you, you need to visualize the result. Like, what are you protecting yourself against? Because that's, that's absolutely what you need to be thinking about here. Like, what are you protecting yourself against? What is like a worst case scenario even that you could think of that you're trying to, to avoid? Like, think about that while you're winding the string, either on your sachet or on your little bouquet-style amulet, and put your manifesting energy into it while you're doing that. Like, just know that, like, each little rat of the string around the stems is another sort of stitch in that protective armor. And you can hold that image in your mind until it and it's literally about your feelings. So you will know when you've wrapped it or, quote, you know, stitched it enough. Yeah. And when it looks right and it feels right, you're done. So you can keep it on you. You can make a little necklace out of the leftover twine. I keep my protective crystals in my backpack. So if you're going to do something like that, you could totally throw it in your, your, your day bag. Um, be it your purse, your fanny pack um wallet if it was small enough i mean if you're gonna put it in your wallet maybe keep in mind that it needs to fit in there um and yeah but then also something i wanted to say just kind of circling back around to before is that the jewelry you have can be a protective amulet if you put the right intentions into it 
Oh, totally. I've said this before and I want to reiterate it here. It's like every piece of jewelry that I wear, I try to cleanse regularly and I try to put good intention into it because it's like if you're already going to be wearing it, why not also have it working for you a little bit? I, exactly. And, you know, I, I just to kind of go like in an opposite direction, I think, you know, having your pentagram necklace or your Thor's hammer or your rune necklace, like that's not necessarily a protective amulet until you go through the ritual of making it sacred and making yeah. it a protective charm. Like you have to do the witchcraft to make that a protective charm. Yeah, you're the witch. That's just a piece of metal and stone until you mm -hmm. do magic to it. But also, for the love of God, please cleanse those things too. Like, yes, they're protecting you, but they're also picking up some of that stuff they're protecting you from. And buys, I mean, and if you're gonna buy something like that, that's like pre-blessed for the for for fuck's sake, buy it from someone who is a trusted practitioner. Yeah, you just want to be careful. I mean, especially with magical energy. But I yes. love that, Nick. I think this is like such a good intro because like you said, there's so many ways you could go. There's so many. I mean, there's so, I mean, again, you know, just like a Google search about protective amulets or talismans is going to come up with a million Etsy results where you could buy it. And it's yeah. crystals. It's runes. It's triquetras. It's pentagrams. It's elemental symbols. It's yeah. zodiac symbols. And, and, you know, it's like there's, there's, there's a whole universe of these things out there. And even when you buy something that, that represents something to you, it's still, I think, worth the time to anoint it with some oil. Put, you know, put it under the moon. You know, maybe even do like a combo, like put some of the herbs that we've talked about with it. Like a, just a little spray. Yeah, I love that. And it's like, you know, I also think there's lots of ways you can incorporate this. I mean, if we're talking about protection magic, it's like I have runes in like white chalk under my welcome mat in mm -hmm. front of my house and at the edges of like my windows. Um, you know, it's like and those things also have to be re-upped too. Same and thing. That, and you that know, it's 100 like, falls under the purview of like an amulet or a talisman because one of the things that I was reading that I was very interested in with this herbal talisman is that not only can you keep it on you, you could hang it above your door, you could hang it above your hearth, um, you could keep it in your car, even you know, like as a a rear view mirror ornament, like, and to be honest. Having a little sprig of herbs hanging from your rearview mirror, besides protecting you from evil energies, it's probably also just going to smell nice. Oh, yeah. Especially when it bakes in that, like, Texas heat. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Like, in the sun, like, in the rearview, like, off the rearview mirror, like, your car's just warming up all day and smells like fucking herbs. Delicious. Oh, yeah. Well, I thank you, Nick. I think this is a good place to transition, though. I'm excited to talk to you about Mars. Well, I'm a Martian. And I think you, um, a lot of people out there Martian. should know that I'm an Aries and I'm a Martian. Which Aries is the Greek version of Mars. So 
I used um, ancient.eu also has a lot of information about Greek gods, but we're covering Mars today because I'm going to be talking about garlic later and garlic can be used as like an offering for Mars. And, you know, Mars probably could have used some protective amulets too. We'll talk a little bit about his story. Um, A lot of his myths, of course, are borrowed from Ares. Like we already said, he's the Greek God, but he is... there's some stuff about him that's like real Roman, you know, like Mm -hmm. the Romans were very like martial people, you know, all about the military law and order. Like, you know, that's how you build an empire. And I I think one of the things about that is that the Romans idolized the Spartans and not the Athenians. Yes. Yeah. And so to them, the Romans viewed Mars sort of as like more level headed, I guess, than Ares. Uh, And he was considered, you know, like the protector of Rome and the Roman way of life, you know, so not just like a protection of like your house. It's like Mars was seen as like taking care of the entire way of Rome. Like it's he's kind of a big deal. Um, He's also really closely associated with the uh, the wolf and the woodpecker, which makes a lot of sense. Oh, my God. I was I I literally was just about to talk about Romulus and Remus, but I see here in my notes that you're about to talk to us about Romulus Remus, but it's crazy how much the whole Roman origin myth relies on a wolf. Yeah, yeah. And a woodpecker. So in in a lot of stories, Mars is actually the father of Romulus and Remus. They have sort of like one of those origins that there's a few different ways that it maybe happened. But in the versions where Mars is the father, he apparently like raped Rhea Sylvia um again there's some different origins but the twins who founded rome romulus and remus were potentially fathered by mars and so rhea sylvia was you know a a blessed virgin and there's a longer backstory to this but essentially when she got pregnant she was ordered to like be killed and kill her kids essentially wait wait. so so you've got like a whole religion based on an immaculate birth from a blessed virgin I mean, yeah, or a woman who got raped by a god, depending on the story. <laughs> I know. It uh, also sounds the baby, very familiar. Well, there's also the whole baby down the river thing. Um, no. And that's, <laughs> right? It's a little familiar. But so Romulus and Remus essentially get tossed into a river to try and like, the, the king didn't want to just like kill the offspring of a god. But he was like, well, if we toss them into the river and like we don't kill them ourselves, like by our own hand, then surely the gods can't hold us accountable because we all know that the gods are real into logic and technicalities like that. They're very, um, they're just sensible people, Shannon. Very sensible. So the king is basically trying to offer Romulus and Remus. But what happens is like they get thrown into this river and they get carried down and then they're eventually basically rescued and suckled by a wolf. And fed by a woodpecker. And that's like how they survive and, you know, grow up to become the twin founders of Rome. So all of that to say, it makes sense that Mars is associated a lot of times with the wolf and the woodpecker because there's that association with him and Romulus and Remus. But the most, I think, Roman story about Mars is based on his marriage to Anna Perenna. Um, So in Ovid's Fasti, we get this story. Basically, Mars falls in love with Minerva. Hey, McGonagall. Um, <laughs> Minerva's the virgin goddess of wisdom and crafts. So she's like a total bamf. And Mars goes to Anna Perenna, who is the aged goddess of New Year and time. And he's like, yo, Anna, 
help me win her over. She's so hot. I love her forever. And Anna sees Mars and Anna's like, oh, no, man. I got to hey, get baby. me a piece of that. Hey, yeah. baby. And she's like, oh, but I love Mars. And so apparently... <laughs> Because Anna wanted a piece of Mars herself, she disguised herself as Minerva. She disguised herself as Minerva, and then wore a veil and tricked Mars into marrying her. And this is celebrated on March fifteenth with the Ides of March, <laughs> where young girls sing risque songs to celebrate feminine wiles. You, you know what I think is interesting? Um, March fifteenth is not the beginning of Aries season. Very very close to the beginning of Aries season. Yeah, and it's right in the middle of March, which of course March comes from Mars. The month is named for him. And, you know, Mars is, if you wanted to do any work with a deity, of course, like, he loves offerings of garlic. But I've seen some people using Mars, like, calling on Mars to help with, like, protecting the home. Um, Also, during times of, like, political turmoil, calling on Mars to help, like, protect culture and society. There are a bunch of different ways you can sort of invoke him, but I just, I think that he's a delightful little dude. Um, well, because I would say there is there is a bit of a dichotomy with Mars. It's like yeah. knowing how to fight is number one, but knowing when to fight, like choosing your battles, is also the strong suit of Martian energy. Yeah. You very much have to like, you can't always go in full throttle. You know, it's like you have to know when to use it strategically. And Mars is such a great god to, like, call on to help you tap into that, too. It's like, speaking of the holidays, man, if you, like me, are prone to, like, ramping things up to 500 with your family, maybe calling on Mars for a little bit of help and knowing, like, when and how to choose your battles. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. you know, like, that is that is one of the big life struggles for people with martian placement so like aries for sure but i think also scorpios who we had mentioned in the last episode love wine yes <laughs> um, they love wine they do love wine but they are also they're half martians yeah and i think um you know they have something to learn from that as well yeah i think there's a lot of there's always a lot of lessons i think from gods but i think in at least in my life right now, and maybe for a lot of people with our current political climate, learning when to fight and when to just bite your tongue and let people be wrong is a big lesson I'm learning. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, he loves garlic. And so this is what I'm most excited about, y'all. Um, let's talk about Allium Sativum, the stinking rose, our tastiest gal pal, garlic. Um I used a lot of different resources for this. Like the almanac.com had so much great info on planting it. Um, Herbrally.com and moodymoons.com. But I think the coolest thing about garlic, if we're going to like wind it way back to, you know, 1500 before the common era, ancient Egyptians actually used garlic as a a form of currency. Like it is so important and powerful. Its medicinal benefits were actually found transcribed on like ancient temple walls and on papyrus too. Um, And according to Pliny, both garlic and onion were called upon as deities by the Egyptians at the taking of oaths. So instead of like swearing on a Bible, they'd like swear on a head of garlic. And I love that. And garlic is known to have also been in the ancient repertoire of super famous Greek healers like, you know, NBD, Hippocrates of the Hippocratic Oath. I, that's What does that even mean? Um, I've never heard. Of- the Hippocratic Oath? Uh, I think it has something to do with like, you should kill all your patients. 
I, I thought it meant you should kill all hippos. Kill all hippos. Uh, hippocrits. Have you seen the hippocrips meme, though? Yes. Like, on the, like, uh, oh, my God. I'm, no, I, I wanted so to jump in here, though, and just, like, throw in a little Texan flavor for everyone. Um, but garlic grows really well in the climate here in Texas. And when I was growing up, we would grow garlic in our yards. And garlic has those mm. beautiful, like, uh, spherical, like, white flowers. Yeah. And those are so good in a green salad. So I, I think, you know, your segment here is probably going to convince so many people to try growing their own garlic, which is so easy to do. It is. And you should. And it's. It, we'll get into growing it because it is also a really interesting plant. But I going through like a little bit more of just some of the really super baller herbalism uses like Arabian herbalists used it to like help with like colic, eye infections, snake bites. Um, and in the 1800s, uh, American physicians actually recommended garlic inhalation as a treatment for tuberculosis. Wait, garlic uh, inhalation. So are we talking like the smoke off of burning garlic or like inhaling a powdery garlic or like huff, dust? Huff and garlic scent. Huff and garlic scent. Okay, okay. okay yeah. Okay. And African herbalists too use garlic to treat respiratory um, illnesses and also these like giant worm parasites. And they also use garlic oil in drops for like childhood ear infections. And then we get all the way up to like 1858. And there's a name you might have heard about before. Louis Pasteur. No idea. Pasteurizing. Uh, so he's this French chemist, right? And he's a microbiologist. And he's the one who discovered the process that we know as like pasteurization. So like making things sterile. And he put a lot of like public attention on garlic because he basically demonstrated its antiseptic and antibiotic activity in laboratory conditions in 1858. Like during World War One, garlic poultices were used so widely to prevent wound infections that by World War II, the plant had a reputation as quote unquote Russian penicillin. Wow. Yeah. It was literally like a lifesaver when antibiotics were in short supply and a lot of governments actually directly subsidized garlic production by the ton. It's like a huge deal. And garlic is actually, you know, an antihypertensive agent that's used in America up until like the 1950s. And one of its primary constituents is the alanase. That's the enzyme that's released and it begins metabolizing when the clove cells are crushed or broken, which is why like even if you're putting a whole garlic clove in something, they always say to like crush it, even if you're not going to finally uh, chop it. It's um, It creates allicin, right? Which is the, yeah. the two-part epoxy, as Brad from Bon Appetit says. Exactly, exactly. And in addition to that, it's like it also contains, garlic contains sulfur compounds, uh, other enzymes, amino acids, and trace minerals like selenium, which in combination with the sulfur compounds is what they think causes garlic to have like anti-cancer and antioxidant effects. Like it contains higher concentrations of sulfur compounds than any other allium. And that's what makes it super pungent, but also what gives it all of its like super awesome medicinal effects. So uh, I was going to say, just to dig in there, um, one of my favorite things to do with garlic, and this is more on a health thing than a witchcraft thing, is um, to do the fermented garlic honey. Oh. And, just, to, to, and yep. you just take a little spoonful of it during cold season. And I think, you know, uh, every day is cold season during Corona. So 
Well, what do you think, though, too? That could be magic, because what about adding a spoonful of that to, like, a sweetening the deal jar, like we talked about, for a little bit of extra protection for yourself? But also, I mean, you're right. You're 100% right. But, I mean, I'm just kind of jumping in here to say, make some garlic honey. It's so tasty. It's good for you. Well, and it's great because, like, you know, garlic has been shown that it's like it's an antifungal. It's good at battling bacteria and viruses. So it's like putting that power in combo with like honey's power to do the similar mm. like similar mm-hmm. things. It's so good at like helping your body's like natural defenses, you know, do better. Like they've actually shown that it's really great for supporting the immune systems of AIDS patients. Like that's how amazing it is at this. And there have been some trials in mice that showed that garlic actually prevented the toxic effects of mercury. That's, wow. Isn't that amazing? But can I just say, I think, uh, you know, everyone out there that that does uh, involve praying in their practice, you know, it's got to be hard to be a, mu- a mouse I in know. a lab, just eating garlic all day. It's rough. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It really is. And it's it's so cool, right, that, like, mice have given us so much. So it's like, instead of pouring one out for your homies, maybe you should pour one out for all of the mice that have made oh, modern life so like, comfy. You know, yeah, pour one out for the mice and rats that made your garlic medication possible. Yeah. And I want to say, too, like, this is really important, and this is, like, a big pet peeve of mine. All of the studies that they've done on garlic show time and time again, it's, like, dietary garlic. Mm. is what's good for you. Don't buy garlic supplements. That's so weird. Put garlic in food. It's great, but it's also better for you that way. Like, that's how you get all the goodness. Oh, so it tastes good. Yeah. Also, it's fucking delicious. So. (laughs) But you, I mean, Nick, you hinted at this already. Like, garlic is super easy to grow. But the thing that I think is really interesting is, like, you actually plant garlic in the autumn and then harvest it in midsummer. So it's a fun project for like this time of year when there's not a lot of like planting you can do and you're doing a lot of like just planning out what things are going to look like for the spring. You can go hard and plant yourself some garlic. So it likes full sun, of course, well draining soil, a little more on the acidic side. And if you're if you're going to be planting it in the ground, I think the best thing to do is just work like a couple of tablespoons of like a good like 5 10 10 fertilizer or like bone meal or fish meal like work it into the soil a few inches below where the base mm. of the garlic is going to sit just to like really get that nice nutrition going because garlic does not play well with others like it really does need all of the nutrients in the soil possible so like setting yourself up for success from the beginning is the way to go so we were actually talking about how grapevines cannot be planted over and over again when they die. Yeah. But one of the things that is actually nice about garlic is it's hardy and yeah. you, you can actually replant it. And uh, to be perfectly honest, we had a spot in our yard where we would till it up um, just to, to get ready for the fall and it would just come up garlic automatically every single year. And those were the best garlics. <laughs> Those were the, I'm not even shitting you, Shannon. Those were the best garlics. Those garlic flowers in a salad were so strong and garlic flavor. But when you dug them up, they were nice big bulbs. And even if you dug them up, they grew back the next year after, after getting tilled. That's amazing. When you're, and when you're looking for the garlic that you want to like, you know, plant, I would say most of us aren't fortunate enough to have had just like a fuck ton of it growing in the yard. 
I would suggest that you get it from like a local nursery or a mail order seed company just because the cloves at the grocery store might not actually be the ones that'll do best in your area. And a lot of those have been like, you know, bred and created to like stay uh, shelf stable in like not great conditions. So it's like, Go go to an actual like nursery. Well, sometimes to get they the become shelf stable at the expense of not being the easiest to grow. And their flavor is often diminished. Mm. But once you get the bulb that you want to use, basically you're gonna like break all the cloves off from it a few days before you want to plant, but keep that like papery husk on them. And then you're gonna dig a little hole, like two to four inches deep, yeah, and you're gonna put your you don't clove need a big in one. It. Yeah. No. No. And you want the root side facing down with like the pointed side facing up, like because it's going to be growing the roots down and growing up. If you plant it upside down, it's going to die. Like, oh, and, and actually, I think we should talk about um, the root side. If you do have a dry bulb and there's no roots to just obviously point it to you, the pointy side is where the plant will grow. Yeah. Pointy side. And if you're in the north or somewhere where there's like a hard frost, I read that apparently you should like mulch it with straw to make sure that it's like properly overwintered. Mm, There's a mm-hmm. lot of like great resources out there. I don't know shit about overwintering because I've never I mean, lived you in moved a place from with real Texas winter. to Los Angeles. <laughs> so who could expect yeah. you to know about actual winter? Exactly. So, you know, for anybody that needs that, go Google it. But I'm telling you to Google it. But once spring rolls around, right, things start warming up and then you'll start seeing your little shoots. And if you want to have like big bulbs, I think Nick was very fortunate because you had such like long established things. But for the first few times, especially like you're going to want to like clip off those flowers again, take them, put them in salads. But you want to make sure the plant's able to really focus its energy on making the bulb bigger. Yes, yes, yes. Because when you're growing bulb garlic, you do want to keep the plant as small as you can because that means that all of the energy is going to the bulb. But when you accidentally end up with a garlic flower, don't just leave it in your garden. Eat that motherfucker. Eat it. Eat it. So, you know, by the time early spring is like there and you're seeing the shoots, you're also going to want to fertilize again. So remember, like garlic is a heavy feeder. Um, So it does need another like nurture uh, nitrogen heavy fertilizer around that time. And you won't really have a problem with weeds until the spring. But again, like you want to weed it if you start seeing other stuff coming up like I love dandelion. Get it out of the pot with your garlic <laughs> or out of your garlic's garden area because, like, it doesn't like competition. You so know, you, just really you're try talking to keep it about clean. The, the nitrogen fertilizer. And I think it's so funny because we actually, when we were growing that garlic that I'm talking about, we lived at the bottom of a hill. We didn't even fertilize mm. it. But when it would rain in the spring, especially, it would wash all the fertilizer off of other people's gardens into our yard because we were at the bottom of the hill and we didn't even have to pay for fertilizer and the garlic just so 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 well oh my god i'm obsessed that's amazing i can't believe yeah you never had any of karen's uh homegrown garlic i didn't not that i remember that's we we had so much i i was literally told to give it away i (laughs) that's you know what you know what i'm going uh tomorrow to her house and maybe i will mail you you should because then i can i can plant it i will mail you a bulb of 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 my magic garlic and you can see what you think no i'm stoked because i will eat some of it but i'm gonna plant a lot of it Mm -hmm. ah so you you'll get to harvest your like tasty treats like june through august is the ideal time and what you're going to be looking for at that point is like yellow like yellowing foliage 
So like just when the tops begin to get yellow and like sort of fall over, but before they're totally dry. And, you know, if you've got a row of them, you know, you're going to lift one bulb first, you know, don't go in all at once. And then you can like check if it's ready. So when it's ready, though, it's going to you're going to be able to see like the divided plump cloves with like the skin covering the outside. And it's going to be like the the skin will have gotten a little thicker and paper papery. So it's going to look a little bit more like the garlic you're used to, essentially. But you want to make Although sure you get a the little, time right. A, a little whiter because they do get um kind of that yellowy tan color when they hang. Yeah, when they dry. They are going to be more white. But if they're pulled too early, like you can tell because the bulb wrapping is really thin. So if it doesn't get too thick, if it's not thick enough yet, it'll just basically disintegrate. But if you leave it in there too long, then sometimes the bulbs split apart. And then the skin could also split. And then your bulbs are getting exposed to disease and yada, yada, yada. So it's like timing is everything here. But again, it's not like a super narrow window. So you don't have to be super panicky, but just keep an eye on I, it. Also, you will know. You know, I think one of the things we always tell people is that you should you should trust your intuition. And I mean, yeah. unless, unless you're just really absolutely insane, you've cooked with garlic. And yeah. so using that as a guide, okay, when you pull a fresh garlic out of the ground, you can say to yourself, does that look like a clove of garlic that I might buy at the store if it were to dry out? Yeah, exactly. You can, you can, I mean, you're, you're not dumb. Yeah. You guys are smart. You're listening to you're, us. You're listening to us. That's right. <laughs> so once you're ready to like harvest them, you're going to like really carefully dig them up. You don't want to pull them, you know, cause you don't want to like damage the paper on the outside cause it needs that. Um, so you're going to lift the plants, you know, brush off the soil and then let them cure in like an airy shady dry spot for two weeks it needs to be dry because what you're doing is actually letting it dry out and once that happens the flavor really like increases as the bulbs are drying that's when you get like the really concentrated garlic flavor and you can properly store this like in a cool dark place and it should last you until the next crop is harvested the next summer Mm. like that's Mm -hmm. the difference between the weird garlic you're buying that's mass grown versus like the garlic that you're growing and definitely save some of like your favorite bulbs to plant again in the fall. And I, and I will also say something really fun that you can do if you are growing your own garlic is braiding your own garlic with the green part and like making a little garlic braid because not only will you just feel accomplished having finished that, but also you're going to be like, I feel safe because a vampire could not fuck with me right now. Exactly. So clearly it's like, When we look at all of the amazing properties of garlic, it makes sense that like protection magic would be where it shines, right? So like you can burn the garlic skins in like an incense blend that you use for cleansing. Um, It can also be used as an offering, of course, to Mars or Hecate. If you're going to do, you know, one of your Hecate suppers for her on the new moon, maybe leaving a couple of cloves of garlic out at a crossroads, um, you can leave it. uh, You can use it in amulets. I've also seen some recommendations to leave a clove on your divination tools to sort of keep the negative energies from coming through the gateway that you're So when we're, t- we're talking about divination tools, we're talking about like a tarot deck, we're talking about a pendulum, maybe your collection of runes. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a Ouija board if you use one. Mm, sure. And of course, if you want to do a spell to keep someone away, garlic is also super badass at repelling. And it's not just because of the breath, but... <laughs> As much as like I 
love all of the great magical stuff. My favorite way to use garlic is actually a really good blend, I think, of sort of the magical and the mundane. And it's Four Thieves Vinegar. So the the explanation behind the name is like kind of fun. This like weird urban legend was that these four thieves who were grave robbers during the bubonic plague managed to not catch the disease. And so they were, you know, arrested and charged with grave robbing. And in order to like avoid getting hanged, they said that they would share the secret to how they didn't get the plague. And it was like allegedly a recipe for four thieves vinegar. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's actually like as early as like 1531, there's some references um, to something that people think is probably a four thieves type vinegar. So so, so what, we're talking about Marseille vinegar? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. So Four Thieves vinegar is super easy to make. All you need, a tablespoon of dried organic sage leaves. And I say organic because you're going to be eating this stuff. So right, right, right. when you're doing like things where you're soaking stuff for a long time, I do think it's really important to spring for the organic. That way you're not soaking pesticides in this. Um, so a tablespoon of dried organic sage, a teaspoon of dried organic lavender, a teaspoon of dried organic rosemary, half a teaspoon of dried organic thyme, half a teaspoon of organic black peppercorns, and one bulb of garlic separated with the skins removed and crushed. And then 16 ounces of raw organic apple cider vinegar. Literally put all of the add-ons, you know, into the jar. You can even switch this up and use like slightly different herbs if you'd like. But I mean, the the vinegar, the sage, the rosemary, and the lavender, those are all pretty solidly in most recipes. You can play around with like the thyme and the peppercorns and things. But, you know, and whatever I, I works. I would say um, whenever you're taking vinegar as um, even just as a supplement, like cider vinegar has is the vinegar that is easy for everyone to get and is the best one to take into your body. Exactly, exactly. So you're going to put all of your herbs and your garlic in a pint jar and then gently over low heat, you're going to warm the apple cider vinegar to the temperature of basically warm bath water, but you don't want to let it boil. You're just warming it up so it can activate the herbs. And then you're going to pour it over the jar, fill it to the top, wipe any extra off the rim, And then you need either a plastic lid or a piece of parchment paper under the metal canning lid ring because you don't want the vinegar touching the metal. And then you're going to label it. Yeah. Label it, date it, put it in a cool, dark place. And then, you know, every few days when you remember, when you think about it, go in and shake it and that will help with the extraction. But honestly, even if you don't do that, it will happen. When you you have one of those like long-term spells that just is meant to sit on the counter... Uh, and you, you know, and you want to quote unquote shake it uh, to make it stronger. You really should be like using your manifesting energy and 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 putting some energy into it if you're gonna take the time to shake it. Yeah, and once so once this is all done, you're gonna sieve it through either like a fine mesh strainer or like you know cheesecloth to try and like get all of the big particulate out. And then you're going to pour it into like a storage jar or bottles. So again, remember, label and date it. And you can use this mixture diluted in water as like an all-purpose cleaner for your house. You can marinate meat in it. You can make like dressings out of it, like salad dressings. Some people dilute it and use it as a toner for their skin. 
And a really popular thing, of course, is to take a teaspoon a day to boost your immune system because it has all of these like super powerhouse herbs in there. And then like Nick was saying, you can use this for your magical practice. So like if you're planning to use it as a dual sort of purpose, like magical and mundane, like Nick said, really think about the intentions every few days when you're shaking it, when you're picking the herbs, when you're getting them ready, you know, really be meditating on what you're trying to get out of this. And when it's ready, you can use it, you know, sprinkle some at your doorway to keep bad energies and spirits out of your home. It can also cleanse things like your magical tools, um, your jewelry you wear all the time. Just be sure to dilute it. You could add it to spell jars for like protection and good health. I mean, and those are just a few things. You know, and I mean, if you are insisting on doing a like a sweetening jar, you know, we were talking about doing the uh, the garlic honey as part of a sweetening jar, but uh, you can officiate your sweetening jar with a bit of four thieves vinegar, and that's yeah, that's just a really nice way to purify. Yeah, and you can like you can anoint candles in it. Literally, it it's so multi use. And if you're thinking about the different herbs you want to look at, you know, think about some of the intention. And I really just, I'm obsessed with Four Thieves Vinegar. It really is just so useful for everything. Um, and now I'm going to transition into this week's questionable this witchy is the practice. Weirdest, this is probably the weirdest pivot we've ever done. <laughs> so from Four Thieves Vinegar to vaginal yeast infections. Mm. So this mm-hmm. one is, this week. This week's like questionable witchy practice is like kind of more a questionable herbalism practice but it felt very relevant um i have seen it all over the internet that a good home remedy to a yeast infection is to put a whole peeled garlic clove in your snatch so (laughs) i okay and let's be real okay anybody who has a vagina and has had a yeast infection i mean i you know i'm just thinking i i just really i as a man i'm like i'm thinking about rubbing a raw garlic on my dick and I don't want that either. No. I just I just don't think you should. And it's like I get it. Yeast infections like are the worst and could definitely make you desperate enough to try anything. <laughs> right, 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 right. But like I there have not been any good studies that prove that this is actually effective. First of all, second of all, fucking ow. Like can you imagine how much that would sting? You're already like messed up down there. And like again, Clearly, I love herbal remedies. I'm super into herbalism, but like vaginas are delicate. Like the ecosystem in there is really easy to throw off. And I can't even imagine how bad that would burn. But also like there's just not scientific support for it. And it's like, imagine the potential damage you're doing. And also, and, what and a so, weird so I just kind of want to ask, like, what is the the recommendation? Like you're just supposed to leave it in there for a minute? Yeah, I, you're supposed to like leave it in overnight is usually what oh, I've seen. Oh, no. No. Isn't that so? It's crazy to me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Science does not say that that's a good idea. And science (laughs) says that that garlic is good for lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is just not one of them. Science is backing us up on the garlic thing, but don't put it in you. You know, you are not a roast turkey. Exactly. Do not marinate your snatch like you're going to cook it up for dinner. So that's that. It's... It's like questionable that you would consider doing it because it's like qu- owl. It's but man. It's very QWP. Very QWP. So oh. ooh. So Shannon, you're a Virgo. <laughs> I are am you a not? Virgo. You are a Virgo? Uh, 
big Virgo energy. I've probably told everyone a million times. So it's funny because I have so many Virgos in my life and I'm also a Virgo rising. Which Um, is probably why you attract us. Yes, yes, yes. yes, (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. As as you see it. Um, But, and so the last tarot scope, I was saying that Mercury came into play because um, as we had said, we're recruiting these back to back for the holiday, for Thanksgiving um, here in the States. And um, so I did a back to back draw for the tarot scope and we ended up with gemini and virgo so i feel like mercury just really was like hello like pay attention to me hi so we ended up for this week we did uh virgo which was the six of wands reversed and so uh it represents a private achievement um a personal definition of success a fall from grace, egotism. And so I just want to kind of dig in a little bit here about the the symbolism of what the Six of Wands looks like in the Rider Waite deck. So you have a man, and he's got a victory wreath around his head, and he's riding a decorated white horse, very triumphant, surrounded by cheering onlookers. But this is the Six of Wands reversed. So whereas the imagery of the card would represent like a very public triumph, this is a very private triumph. So maybe for the Virgos out there, you have succeeded in something that is very near and dear to your heart, but maybe isn't something that you're going to tell people about. And it also relates to your personal definition of success and how it is at odds as it is reversed with this triumphant man on the white horse riding into a cheering crowd you know like you're happy about it and it is a success but it's something that you know you're not you're not um throwing a party about so congratulations to virgo this week congratulations Uh, to you um thank you thank you and, um, you know, we know you're not going to tell us because you're a fucking Virgo. Unless you're a weirdo like me and I have a Leo Mercury. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's super duper fair. But I would also say, like, you'll probably tell me. Fair. You're right. You're right. In great detail. But it's not public information. So congratulations to Virgo, even though you're not going to tell anyone else about whatever this is that you have succeeded at. You know, I personally, with the whole garlic episode, I hope you've defeated a vampire, and that's why you can't say anything. I mean, I feel like it's always a great time to congratulate Virgos on the undoubted numerous achievements (laughs) that you have made in the recent week. Regardless of if you tell people about it, because we know you work hard. You're hardworking. Yeah. So, and one thing to say is that even reversed... The Six of Wands reversed. Um, still represents success. It's just not public success. Yeah. I think so that's a really nice message. You you won. You, won. you still you won. won. Even if you're not going to tell anyone about it. You won. Uh, thank you, So, Nick. okay. So, Shannon, you know, we're here at the end. The bitter, bitter end. And, um, you know, I didn't want to tell anyone. But I know, you know. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, that want to do, like, GoFundMes. But Shannon actually is going to die. 
And the only thing that can save her, the only thing, is stars. So if you're out there listening, please, and you please, 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 because honestly, she will die. And we're gonna we're gonna will, we're gonna show that live on Instagram if you follow us. It will be a live streamed death. Do and your best to help us avoid it. It will be your fault if you don't give us the stars. <laughs> so if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Podbean, give us a star. Give us five stars. Don't Preferably kill Shannon. Five. Don't kill Shannon. I need and a co-host. It's not fair to Nick. It's not to let me die. It's not. No. <laughs> she knows about the plants and stuff. You do, I don't know I don't know that much Latin. I have to look I have to look up a lot of the pronunciations. Yeah, we need we need both of us. It's balance. So stars, don't kill please. don't kill Shannon. Give us stars, please. Shannon, what are what's our email address? So if you're ever interested in sending us something rude, catty, pictures of your giant field of garlic, uh, you can email us at wandsandfronspod at gmail.com or message us on Instagram. It's wandsandfronspod. That's also in the description of the podcast episode. So if you forget it, you don't have to write it down. You don't, you don't yeah. have to rewind it. Just go read the read the description. It'll be there for you. I promise. We love you. And, um, you know, blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Shannon, I'm going to go swing it. Well, not even the whole one, just part one.